You're listening to episode 10 of the We Got the Runs podcast. In this episode, we'll touch on the Garmin outage and we'll talk to physical therapist Brody Sharp, who'll teach us all about plantar fasciitis. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we chat about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey, runners. Hey, runners. How are you doing, Angela? I'm doing great. How are you, Letty? I'm doing great, too. How was your week of running? My week of running went pretty well. How about you? I heard you were back to running. Yes, I'm running again. I'm running uh, shorter distances and, um, you know, just kind of keeping exercising strengthening my foot that is so cool so no more plantar fasciitis or still there but i guess that's the process it's a long-term thing what about you how is uh, your leg feeling it's feeling pretty good i think um things are healing and i'm continuing to run so that's so far awesome. so good <laughs> yeah we're on the mend yes definitely so i have a question for you okay if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Ooh, good question. I know that's been said a lot. Um, I would say yes. All right. But what would you say? Well, I have a follow-up question for you. Okay. If you ran and it doesn't show on your Strava or your Garmin Connect, do you really run? <laughs> what a great question. I mean, it's so funny. I, you know, everything that we've gone through these past few days in terms of Garmin being shut down and not being able to connect to Strava. I know definitely it made so many of us feel like I wasn't able to post my run or or view my splits (laughs) or view my route. Did I actually do this run today? Does it count? (laughs) That's so funny because I'm actually on the other side of this. You know, I have an Apple Watch, so I don't really use Garmin Connect. And I have to tell you, uh, Strava has been one lonely place these last few days. No way, because you so you don't have to connect to, connect at all, or well, I mean, it does. Uh, it does. I use an app called iSmooth Run, and it uploads to Training Peaks and Garmin Connect and Strava, but I never really look at Garmin Connect because you know the social media place for runs is always Strava. Ah, so it connects from there to your Strava, opposed to many of us connect to. Garmin Connect, and then Garmin connects over to Strava for us. Exactly. Wow. So that is a good point. So, and and, you know, you asked me in terms of you, do you feel like, I know you didn't get to experience it, but (laughs) (laughs) do you feel like you were able to, like your run happened if it didn't upload or you weren't able to view it or it wasn't on Strava? I mean, I know it would definitely be frustrating, especially if it's a hard run, right? Because, you know, we do the regular runs and then we have our two or three hard runs during the week and I would probably be frustrated if I lost that data but you know there's ways of manually inputting it um but you know if you'd asked me this morning before our run whether or not it would matter I would have said no but then you reminded me that (laughs) I was at 3.7 Letty was at 3.7 and myself and our other friend that was running with us we didn't hit stop with our watches as often, or maybe she missed a, a part of our run. So we were we were already at four, but she was at 3.7, so she sprints ahead of us <laughs> so she could make it up to four. And I said, well, Letty, 
You ran the same distance as us, so you did run the four. But so why are you sprinting ahead if it doesn't matter? <laughs> I guess it does matter because my run would show up as three point seven miles and not four. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really it's a really good point, you know, and, and it goes back to what you said that so many people were manually uploading it and doing all kinds of other creative things just to show their workout. Yeah, I'm in one of those marathon groups on Facebook and the funniest one that I've seen, you know, besides all the ones that talked about 2020 being the worst year ever because of Garmin Connect failing, <laughs> there was one guy and you know how the picture of Garmin Connect is three circles. One of them has your pace, the other one has your overall time, the other one has your mileage. So he hand drew that in the same colors on black background and basically manually inputted it. It's one of those things you have to see. Oh, that is great. That yeah. is too funny. That was the funniest post I've seen with with this whole Garmin fiasco. Yeah, I saw a pretty funny meme and it said that for it said runners in 2020, races are canceled, you know, all, um we're socially distancing, all these other things and it says fine, fine, fine. Then it says <laughs> Garmin Connect is not working. What? 2020 sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> Almost as bad as COVID in itself by itself. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's so funny how though, would you agree how consumed we've become with sharing our workouts? And so why would you why do you think that is so important? I mean, I think it is more important even now because we are social distancing and we don't have much left. We don't have friends that we can go see. I mean, we live in Florida, so we're taking extra precautions right now, but we don't go visit friends. We don't do anything. And so the way that we stay motivated and connected to our friends is more through social media. And then especially, you know, you also don't have races, so you have nothing to train for. And one of the good things that you can do is you hop online and share and see what your friends did and I don't know. It's 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 kind of addicting. You know, I didn't use Strava for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I didn't even start using Strava until this year. I oh, was wow. yeah, I was uploading my workouts, you know, through my watch, but I was uploading it to Training Peaks just so I personally could view it and keep track of my workouts. But I wasn't sharing it at all and like I mean years ago I used to upload to my watch and I wouldn't even do anything with it. So it's just interesting how that's changed. But now, ever since I've had Strava, I'm so used to it now. <laughs> Viewing my workouts on there, you know, like seeing those accomplishments and all the little things that you can do with Strava. But going back to why we think it's really important is I also think a big part of the reason why we race is to kind of show off our ability. You know, especially amongst our friends or amongst our family or whatever it may be, is to show off what we are physically capable of and then be surrounded by people who we can enjoy that with. You know, by, you know, hopefully winning in your age group or seeing your name up listed on the results, things like that that you can enjoy. But like you said, we don't have that. So the only thing we really do have left is being able to share it amongst our community online and enjoy it that way yeah and, and then I completely agree and I think that's one of the benefits that we have with Strava because you know you have a lot of friends on your Facebook and they don't really care whether or not you ran you know I probably have 10% of my Facebook friends that are 
into running and I would never do that to them, that I would post daily workouts and tell them, <laughs> hey, I woke up at 5.30 this morning and I ran six miles. Because why, right? So you do that with people that are like-minded. And, you know, for what you were saying about doing marathons and stuff, for posting it, but also, you know, memorializing that, that at this age I was capable of doing that. Because when you do a race and you have a certain time, nobody can ever take that. That's, you know, in the records, wherever with the race or if you qualified for Boston it's somewhere and it happened and then no matter whether or not you you know age or you get injured that's something that's yours and you know that's the beauty of racing and now we don't have that so at least we can have some good workouts and have those you know if it's on Strava it really happened yes it's so true it's so true but then going back to that do you do you ever feel like you you are able to still celebrate that you did a run even though you weren't able to post it. I mean, it hasn't happened. I'm in the same boat as you were. I used to have a Garmin running watch, believe it or not, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. I actually liked it, but I would always misplace it. So I would probably only do 50% of my runs with it because half the time I would drive somewhere and then I'd be like, oh, I don't have my watch or I don't even know where my watch is. So I'm just going to do this run and I completely enjoyed it and I kept in shape with it. And it's just kind of like with you, I actually didn't start tracking my runs with Strava until after I had my second baby, 2018. Um, and that was because I wanted to get in shape. I wanted to keep track of the mileage. I actually wanted to start training for, you know, to qualify for Boston. Before that, I would just run very randomly. One month I wouldn't run at all. And then one week I would run, you know, two runs or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then with that, I just kind of wanted to have a more um, scheduled type of life with the running. So ever since that happened, I've been hooked on Strava and then all my friends are on Strava now. Yeah. I mean, with you saying that, it just reminded me, I've become so much less in touch with my body and my pace. Before I used to run with a watch, I used to know exactly what pace I was running. Because I would run the same route every single day and I could feel it in my breathing, what pace I was moving at. And I've become so reliant on my watch now that I'm so much less in tune with it. That's not good. I know. It's it's just interesting to think of that though. Yeah, that's what our coach always tells me though because he, um, you know, he ran in the 80s. He ran really fast, as you know, and uh, he didn't have a running watch back then. Nobody had a GPS watch. If they had a watch they would carry a stopwatch with them. And he always tells me, you have to be in tune with your running. He told me that especially after uh, last Chicago marathon, because, you know, I didn't know, but if you start running the marathon in Chicago, there's all these buildings and you lose complete GPS. It's just nothing. It doesn't work. Wow. And so for the first, I think, three or four miles, everything was off. I was struggling because I thought, how can I not hit the certain pace that I wanted to? But in reality, my watch was just showing a slower pace. So I was going way too fast for the first, I don't know, 13 miles until I hit the half mark. And wow. I realized, wow, I need to, um, I don't know, I can't keep up this pace. But, you know, when I told him about it afterwards, he said, you know what, you need to not run with your watch and just kind of focus on your breathing and your effort and, you know, how you perceive your effort. Yeah. And, uh, that might ruin it. 
I know that that's a good point, but at the same time, you may have run that race so much better because it pushed you. You know, it served as your motivator. I know for me now, it motivates me, especially in those slower runs, to maybe do a little bit better because I'm able to see my pace rather than just kind of zoning out, which I'm all for going for runs and totally zoning out. And I like every now and then to run without a watch and just kind of like you know, getting into your own head. But at the same time, it definitely does serve that purpose of motivating you. It does. But then, you know, 26 miles is a very, very far away. So I obviously fell off and uh, couldn't keep that pace. I still PR'd in that race, but I wouldn't have gone out as fast. But you're right. Maybe I would have, I wouldn't have pushed myself as hard because I pushed myself really hard the first 10 miles. And then I was just trying to hang on dying off but still trying to you know run this imaginary pace because I didn't know what pace it was at all wow yeah it's interesting yeah but I mean it's a good point you know you could learn something from this whole Garmin outage yeah for sure yeah so in the comments any of our listeners if you want to share what you learned during this Garmin outage and if there's any fun things that you did so that you could log your runs during the time that it wasn't connecting. All right, so now we're going to hear from Wes Boplan, who's going to tell us why he loves running. Hello, my name is Wes Boplan. I am 45 years old. Why I love running? Well, running is my life. I love running so I can be healthy for myself and my family. Running allows me to experience nature. Running has connected me to many of my runners' friends in my community. Thank you so much, Wes, for your awesome comment. And to all of you listeners, we want to invite you to leave us a comment also to let us know why you love running. You can do that via voicemail, and we'll post a link in our show notes. Moving on, we're going to talk to a person today about plantar fasciitis. Actually, the person we're going to talk to is going to be a physical therapist or physio, as they call them in Australia, that will come on to our show regularly and answer questions. And today's episode, we're just going to introduce him. Angela? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today we will be interviewing Brody Sharp. Brody Sharp is a physical therapist from Australia. His qualifications include a Bachelor of Health Science and a Master's of Physiotherapy, from which he completed in 2012. Some of his qualifications include the running clinic. He's a certified professional. He has musculoskeletal injuries for runners online course, running repairs course, athletics Victoria, run coaching qualifications, and sports medicine Australia, the secrets to injury-proofing runners. So, of course, he is the perfect physical therapist to bring onto our show and talk all things injuries related to 
runners. He's been published in the CEA magazine, So Let's Go Running E! magazine, and he's the podcast host of Everyday Running Legends. If you want to learn more about him, you can find his website, BreakthroughRunning.Physio. His business is called the Breakthrough Running Clinic, which is available online. He does online consults in addition to in-person in Australia. I can't wait to hear all of the great information that Brody has to share with us. All right, so I'm here with Brody Sharp, a physiotherapist from Down Under and a fellow podcaster. And thank you so much for coming and talking to us today on our podcast and sharing your expertise with us. It's an absolute pleasure, lady. Thanks for uh, letting me on the podcast. Yes, uh, my name is Brody. I'm a physical therapist or a physiotherapist from Melbourne, Australia. And yeah, I'm happy just to dive into our, our topic of um, running and running injuries. Before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your life, how you became a runner and how that impacts your practice as you know, with your physiotherapy career? Absolutely. So I was, so I graduated in 2012 and I wasn't a runner just yet. I was actually uh, playing basketball and wasn't until maybe the third or fourth year of my physio career that I decided to become a runner. My sister was training for a half marathon and she wanted someone to train with. And so I thought I'd give it a go. It was probably a year out of my basketball career. So I just wanted to do something else and just realized instantly as soon as I started running and then started seeing running runners in my clinic, I just had this like heightened passion for wanting to, to like talk all things running and trying to um, like it elevated my physio game to get me to, or like allow me to return runners back to all their running goals that they had, return them to like the marathons that were preparing for training them to get their PBs. And it just like sparked a, a hidden passion that I didn't know I had. And so decided to transition into trying to treat more and more runners. And that obviously created more passion for my running myself and did develop a lot of injuries uh, throughout that first couple of years as a runner and uh, could really empathize and like experience the frustrations and uh, everything that goes along with being an injured runner. Right, right. So right now you're not injured probably because you know much more than you did in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, when it comes to graduating as a physio, you know, a lot, but you, it's hard to really niche down and, uh, really know a lot about treating runners. You'd know like the general basics and then you're, um, you're kind of forced if you want to specialize in something to really hone in and do your own independent studies or go to different conferences. Like you don't learn much about treating runners at university. Um, so as soon as I became a runner, I started doing all this research. And as soon as I became an injured runner myself, started doing all this research and <laughs> exercises myself and pretty much treating myself and learned through trial and error and being injured myself um, until the point where I'm at today. And obviously seeing a lot of runners now i'm seeing more runners than ever um you know what's what works for certain people what doesn't work for certain people because there's not like a one size fits all approach and you really need to tailor it to the individual and um try and come up with a really tailored management plan and that's what gets really good results right so you have to look at every individual and then kind of see what were their training errors yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really good um, way to 
to start, like when you first get a client into the the clinic, it's establishing, okay, what was their training like before they got injured? What was their, um, their training kind of mileage? What was there any sudden change? Was there any, um, change in shoes or change in technique or, um, like once you establish that and you get the idea of what they're like as a runner and how strong they kind of are, how fit they kind of are, um, they're really nice uh, bits of information you can use to start tailoring a nice management plan. Okay. And so then you've taken all that information and um, I want to plug you here. You have eBooks that I'm aware of. And then what else do you do for the online community? You have a podcast called the run smarter podcast. Correct. So um, it was pretty much like uh, probably started about two years ago in my physio career. I just wanted to spend more time treating runners. I wanted to spend more time like um, being around that demographic that excited me as well and like gave me a lot of enthusiasm for my career. And so I was seeing runners, but I was also seeing, I was in a general clinic. So I was seeing everyone that comes in the door and wanted to transition away to something that I had a lot of passion for. And so I started my um, online clinic called the Breakthrough Running Clinic. And so that allows me to treat runners all over the world who want to um, see a, a runner or and a physio who knows how to sort of best deal with that sort of population. And so transitioned into that business. While I was doing that, I also started the Run Smarter podcast and started the Run Smarter Facebook group and just wanted to start delivering the message to to runners because I was recognizing, looking on um, social media and Facebook groups and all those sort of things, that there's a lot of runners that are injured, but a lot of them are quite puzzled. They're not too sure uh, how to overcome their plantar fasciitis. They've, they've had, say, a high hamstring tendinopathy for two or three years and they're still puzzled on the best way to manage it. And there's a lot of runners that get injured and all of them want to work on injury prevention. And when uh, members jump onto my Facebook group, they have to answer a question, what topics do you want to know more about? And so many, like 80% of them are injury prevention, injury prevention, injury prevention. And so uh, I made it kind of my mission to, once I know the evidence and once I know why runners get injured, it's, trying to deliver that message to, to runners and trying to educate them as best as I know how to um, reduce their risk of injury as much as we can based on the science that we know. And then once symptoms do arise, what action steps we can take to overcome and settle down those injuries as quick as we can so that you can get back to running and have the freedom and control that, uh, that they all desire. So that became our mission, the, the clinic, the, um, Facebook group, the podcast, all of that's just designed to try and spread the word, spread as much evidence-based information that we know and trying to break down any myths and misconceptions that are circulating throughout the social media circles. That's awesome. That's a wonderful resource to have as well for everybody. So if somebody has a particular injury or is uh, interested in talking to you, can you walk me through how they would approach you? They would obviously email you and then you would set up a meeting through Zoom Yeah. So if they wanted to um, pursue like a physio consult, uh, what they do is they go onto my website, which is breakthroughrunning.physio and they can have a look um, at the whole, like it's a step-by-step process of how 
the whole thing works because it's quite new for people doing an online consult and right. they're not too sure how the, the actual process works. Um, so what usually happens is you just book an online consult, like a, a online calendar, pick a consult time. And when, once you book that time, you're sent some questionnaires for you to fill out and some tests, some like physical tests for you to do depending on your injury. And there's a lot of like smart um, flowing uh, questionnaire. So it'd be like, what is your pain, knee pain? And then based on that response, you prompted a couple of other questions. Where, what, where in the knee is the pain located? Do you get pain with this? Do you get pain with that? Uh, how is it in the mornings and all these sort of things that I've designed myself. And then based on your injury, you're asked to do a couple of quick exercises to see if there's pain or weakness or imbalance and that sort of thing. And we have that all information before we jump onto a consult, which is kind of similar to a Zoom consult, but I just use different software. And uh, yeah, we go through your injury, we go through education, we go through diagnosis and answering all the questions that they have, the best ways to manage it. And then we can, uh, in form of treatment, can look at uh, training modifications, exercise programs, strengthening programs, but the real results are, are given around uh, tailored education, like real accurate education about their injury, what caused it in the first place. So they have that clarity. Most, in most cases, one of the first things I do is, okay, where exactly does it hurt? And after they answer their questionnaires, uh, there's a few clarifying questions that I'll have. Okay. You said it was painful with hopping. Can you tell me exactly where it was painful with hopping? Can you tell me if it was during the landing or during the push off and all these clarifying questions, um, once you have a physio that's uh, really proficient with seeing these sort of injuries, it fits a pattern and you can quite accurately diagnose um, a certain condition, especially with runners, because as a runner, it's not a trauma based injury. Like very rarely do you get tackled when you go for a run or um, <laughs> very rarely do you roll an ankle or is it that trauma based? It's usually an overload thing. And those overload injuries are very um, common. So you've got your patellofemoral pain, plantar fasciitis, ITB syndrome, like all of those are very, very common with runners. And so they all kind of fit a very similar pattern. And so when you've seen enough runners, like I have, you'll see that there's, oh, it hurts when I go upstairs, but not when I go downstairs. And it hurts when I do this, this, this. And you can say, okay, this is very characteristically ITB friction syndrome, um, or you can sort of describe those. But once you jump on a call, there's a few um, other clarifying questions I need just to hone in. Is this the diagnosis? Great. So why don't we talk about one of the most common uh, running injuries out there? I know there's IT band and all that, but uh, plantar fasciitis is one of them. And I want to ask you about that actually, because personally I'm experiencing symptoms oh, no. and a little bit of pain from it. So could we talk about maybe symptoms, causes, diagnosis, treatment, all that? Okay. Uh, we can... Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So <laughs> I, I like that we're discussing plantar fasciitis because this is a condition that people do tend to have for a long time if they're not managed, uh, if they're not really well managed really early on. And it can be like this fluctuating symptom and these fluctuating conditions that um, can be very hard to overcome once they're, um, they're well inbuilt into the body. I have this concept called the pain rest weakness downward spiral. And it is um, essentially like if you have a runner who has a spike in training, they're used to running say 
three miles and then all of a sudden they run eight miles and then the next morning their plantar fascia is flared up that's a common um a common pattern or maybe they're spending more time than usual on their feet or standing still and wearing harder shoes or something like that and all of a sudden their the plantar fascia slowly starts to creep on um that can be uh, um, something that just creeps up and then it's all of a sudden you've had it for a month. It's really weird. It's like, oh, it's been tight for, you know, two weeks now and it's just crept on. Now it's becoming painful. And so usually the first time I see someone with plantar fasciitis, they've had it for four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and it's harder to <laughs> kind of get rid of. Yeah, uh, I'm exactly that at that point. Yep. Exactly <laughs> that point. You know, it, it, I started feeling something, some kind of tightness, and you know, it's not painful because once you start running, it clears up, and mm -hmm. so you kind of forget about it. And now, last week, it was kind of at the point where it was becoming painful, and it didn't go away for the first one or two miles. Yeah, yeah, and so um, it, it's a, it creeps up on you. This one, it's really tricky, and so. <laughs> Um, when we're talking about this pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral, a lot of times it gets to a point where you'll start running and it'll start becoming painful. And then your initial reaction is, oh, uh, I just need to have some time off. I need to um, have a week or two of not running, just let it heal and then let me go back to it. And what happens is after a week or two of rest, you go back to running and the symptoms come on more aggressive and it comes on earlier than what it usually would. And you're like, oh no, maybe it's not better. Maybe just have another week off and let me try in a week. So, and then you've had three or four weeks of not running. And what's happened in that process is the plantar fascia has actually become weaker and tolerating less. And when you first started having initial symptoms, what was happening is your plantar fascia was actually quite strong because you were a runner, you're moving around and the tissues could actually tolerate quite a lot. But combining that, combining that irritated, tissue with rest is actually making it weaker and therefore symptoms become come uh, they come on sooner and they become more agitated and then it gets to the point where walking for two hours then becomes an issue and then you're like oh maybe if i wear these orthotics and they feel a lot better then you can walk for a long period of time but the orthotics is creating the support that makes the, the arch weaker once again, because it's no longer activating, getting stronger. So then it gets to a point where I need to wear my orthotics. Otherwise, if I walk for 10 minutes without my orthotics, then my plantar fascia flares up and you see this downward spiral of the tissue becoming weaker and weaker and weaker and your capacity becomes less and less and less. And especially this happens with uh, all injuries, but plantar fasciitis is one that's really, really dangerous when it comes to this. And for a physio, what you need to do is jump straight on board and say, you need strengthening. You need to build up that capacity. You need to try and find ways to strengthen it without flaring it up. And that's where that tailored approach comes in. You need to catch them wherever they are in that downward spiral and start working your way back up. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, like accurate diagnosis would be step number one. So you did uh, kind of ask what were the common symptoms. So mm -hmm. very, very characteristically plantar fasciitis is tightness in the mornings is usually with the first symptoms that come on. It's like your first steps of the morning. It's like, oh, it's so sore. Um, it's very stiff. It's like, it just feels quite achy. And most commonly it's um, underneath the heel sort of towards the inside of the heel, um, right where that fascia attaches onto the heel bone. So right under that, 
plantar fascia, it can sometimes drift more to the arch or more to the outside of the heel, but that's very characteristically where it's located. And if someone has pain there, it's pain to sort of touch and they're experiencing um, a lot of tightness in the mornings or soreness in the mornings for, you know, 10, 15 minutes when they walk around and then it warms up and it's okay. Um, you're, you're honing in, okay, we're starting to think this is plantar fasciitis and then you'll need to start doing additional tests just to, um, just to see, just to make sure hone in on the accuracy. Okay. Is it really plantar fasciitis? Cause there still could be a couple of um, diagnoses that it could be. Um, but 95% of the cases it will be plantar fasciitis if they're presenting with those symptoms strengthening. So if you, um, it will all depend on the spectrum of where you are in terms of weakness and strength, um, where your starting point is. But if someone's really, really low and they're really, really weak and they're struggling to um, walk for 30 minutes in bare feet without flaring up the plantar fascia, I would definitely start with some um, coordinated exercises. One exercise I call toe yoga. Well, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't make it up, but this is what we call it, <laughs> toe yoga, um, where you place your feet on the ground in bare feet and you try and lift up just your big toes. So you lift just the big toe up off the ground while leaving all the other four toes planted on the ground. And then you do the opposite. So once the big toes up, then the big toe comes down, stays down and all the other four toes lift off. And that can be very hard for people to coordinate. It can be very hard to um, work those little intrinsic muscles of the feet, but you just very slowly, very um, fluently lift up the big toe, then all the other four toes, then the big toe, then the other four toes. And you just gently um, go between that. You can do it in sitting. You can progress by doing it in standing. But what we're doing here is we're establishing, we're trying to build up strength of the little intrinsic muscles within the feet and trying to um, build some coordination within the foot. And it's a very nice starting point for most people uh, because it's not in standing. It's not irritating the plantar fascia at all. And um, every runner does need to increase their foot function and foot strength. So it's just a really nice start for people. But when it comes to the evidence, what the evidence shows is loading up this plantar fascia with strengthening exercises. And one of those strengthening exercises being a double leg calf raise with a, a towel or something underneath your toes. So if you can imagine standing and having like maybe an inch or two inch of padded towel under your big toe. So the toes like extended up towards the ceiling and that as that toe extends up, you come up onto your toes. Um, and what that does is load the plantar fascia, but also stretches the plantar fascia because as the toe lifts off or stays up in that up position, when you come up into your calf raise, um, it just loads up the plantar fascia more. And the evidence shows that if you start at say, three sets of 12 to 15. So kind of a higher rep range um, and do that every second day. And then you slowly progress to doing heavier and heavier and heavier stuff. So that uh, after four to six weeks, you're doing five sets of eight. So an eight rep max. So you're really loading it up. Um, the evidence has shown that that really helps plantar fasciitis and improving its strength. What about running? Do you recommend somebody quit running 
and just do strength training or would you prefer for them to run a little bit? Because I've seen your model in your online books about, you know, not working out or not doing any exercise and then it actually getting worse, your pain threshold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it will definitely depend on the individual. Like if someone comes to me with a certain type of symptom and they're still tolerating running, I recommend definitely still keep running because that is a strength um, exercise in itself. But we just want to make sure that the symptoms that are occurring, we know that the, the type of running that you're doing isn't flaring it up. We want to make sure that the body's tolerating a certain level of running. Um, and then once we know that it's tolerating a certain level of running, then we can uh, continue there. We wouldn't increase while you're doing your rehab, but as an example, let's just say you can right now, your plantar fasciitis is uh, a two out of 10 stiffness or two out of 10 pain every morning. Um, even if you don't go for a run, it's still a two out of 10 pain. If I was to say, okay, let's just do a three mile jog at a certain speed on flats. Let's give that a go and see how your, your morning pain is. If you do your three mile run, as we discussed the next morning, it's still a two out of 10. That means it's no increase in symptoms, which means that the plantar fascia is actually tolerating what you've put the, um, what you've put it through the day before. And so I can say, great lady with uh, a three mile run is fantastic for you at that certain pace at that terrain, like on a level ground. Um, let's continue with that. You can still continue running happy days. So then like mentally yeah, you're happy because we um, we're still continuing some sort of running let's establish some strengthening exercises while we're still maintaining that running and um, build up from there. And then maybe in a week or two, maybe we'll do a four mile run. Maybe we'll build up to a five mile run and then we'll just continue paying attention to what symptoms are like in the morning. If it's still staying at a two out of 10, it means we're tolerating all those increases. And then over time, as you get stronger, the morning pain will start to decrease and we can take it from there. On the other side, if someone's really irritable and they try a one mile run and the next morning their symptoms are significantly flared up. I'll uh, say, okay, we're not really tolerating what we're putting it through. We probably can't run at the moment. If we, let's say if we try like a one minute walk, one minute jog for five rounds. And if that's still flaring them up, then I say, okay, we're not ready for running. Let's try doing some strengthening. Let's try maybe doing some walking. Maybe let's try a few other things and, in a week or so, let's go back to that one minute walking, one minute jogging and see how those morning symptoms start um, feeling. And if there's no increase, great. Let's continue with that interval style of return to running. And um, yeah, we just slowly build up from there. And I send them, usually I send them a walk run uh, progression kind of chart where day one will be a certain level of running and walking. Day two will be a certain level of running and walking. They're slowly increasing that um, intensity. Uh, and then we just pay attention throughout that whole uh, duration. We just pay attention to their symptoms during the run, their symptoms after the run, symptoms the next day, and then we can judge whether the plantar fascia is tolerating it or not. It needs to be very methodical sometimes, but um, yeah, otherwise we don't really have, we're, we're kind of, the areas are grayed and it's kind of muddy water and we're not too sure what's flaring it up, what's not flaring it up. So we need to be really methodical when it comes to an irritated chronic plantar fasciitis. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I mean, it, it sounds like, just like you said, everything, there's no right or wrong or one way for one person. 
Yeah, it's really, really tricky because as a physio, you need to establish, okay, where where can be a good starting point um, and then just really help educate the runner how to pay attention, how to interpret symptoms. Because like you said, sometimes you can run and the pain go away and you're like, yes, I can continue running. And then you run for way too long. And even though there's no pain during, it can flare up the next day and uh, be misinterpreted. Why is it flaring up now? Like I was fine running yesterday. And uh, one of the big steps is educating the runner and making sure they know how to interpret their own symptoms and how to interpret what their body's telling them, because that can be um, a really proactive step and, help them not only in that moment, not help them in that um, situation, but also help them interpret their body symptoms like throughout their whole running career. Like it's, it's um, a principle. It's like a, a lesson that they can learn and utilize for the rest of their running career. Yeah. Sounds like that could apply to any of the injuries that somebody has. Mm, absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you so much for letting us know about plantar fasciitis. We appreciate uh, all your input. And can you tell us your website again, how people can reach you? Yeah. So the website is breakthroughrunning.physio. And uh, if you wanted to learn more, I do have a couple of episodes on plantar fasciitis and a lot of other like injury specific topics on my podcast, the Run Smarter podcast. So you can just uh, search for that wherever you're listening to this podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, lady. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, let's do it again soon. Okay, see ya. All right, bye. Thanks, Brody. That was an awesome interview. I really enjoyed learning all that different information related to plantar fasciitis. I feel like, well, I've never really had plantar fasciitis, but now I feel like if I were to get it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But that was so cool to listen to all that information and just learn about how he runs his clinic and, you know, how he works with his patients and how he's able to help them, especially virtually, you know, to be that knowledgeable and and be able to have that experience and go through a consult like that through a virtual consultation, I think is really impressive. And I I thought it was so insightful to learn, you know, the different methods that he has. It was very different than anything else that I've learned from a physical therapist here in America. So I thought that was really insightful. And I'm sure Letty took away a lot of really good information and now that she's feeling so much better. So I hope that our listeners can definitely take away some good information if they have been experiencing plantar fasciitis or it's something that they get on a reoccurring basis they can take away some of those strength exercises and incorporate that into their routine as a form of prevention so hopefully you enjoyed that podcast make sure to look out for next week's podcast we will be interviewing a really inspirational runner and his journey of running through cancer So make sure to check that out and look for that next week. And if you could, go head on over to iTunes, leave us a review, or you can also send us a voicemail letting us know why you love running. So we're looking forward to hearing from you, and we will talk with you next week. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast. And you can also like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Our account you can find under WGTR Podcast. Thanks and have a great week of running.